This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Hi, everybody. So glad you chose to be here this morning because it is a choice. There's a lot of places you could be or other places online that you you could be. Um, It's a sunny day out. It's summer. And uh, that's wonderful here in the Willamette Valley. And so that can draw us away. But you chose to be here, chose to be in the spirit of the Lord. And I'm I'm grateful for that. I want to say again that I'm honored and privileged to be able to share from this pulpit uh, with your staff. When I retired, I wanted to... Uh, Very clearly, my wife and I stated this, we wanted to be a blessing to the church we attended, and we just wanted to take part. But I never in my wildest dreams thought I would get to stand before the congregation of which I was a part and get to speak God's word to you. It's it's a great honor, and I'm thankful for that. But I have a, a huge announcement this morning. Huge. Based on my fantastic audition the last time I preached, What? (laughs) Pastor Trenton has invited me to join the worship team. He has a few rules for me, though. I am never to come to rehearsal. I don't need it, he says. Don't bother. And I won't be allowed to have a microphone. Mostly, he wants me to sing solos in my own shower. So thank you, Trenton. I appreciate that invitation. It's so wonderful to be wanted. But I think I'll I'll have to say no. I'm just too busy. Okay, so so God God bless you. But thanks. Thank you. It just feels great in my soul and in my heart. It really does. So we have a B-Tube video that we've been showing for Crash Course. And let's see if we can bring that up. And let's watch one more time this summary of our series. Great job. It's a blessing to have people in the church that's got talent. 
Praise the Lord. And that is good stuff. So we're in the fifth week of this six-week crash course. And uh, it's about what, who and what the church is and what the purposes of God are to be acted out of what we are. And again, we want to emphasize we are a be church. We be the church. We are the church. We is the church. The church is not these beams, not this floor, not this carpet. Uh, it, the church is, is not even its programs. You know, it's, it's a children's church or it's Sunday morning services or praise and worship gatherings. That's not the church. The church is you. Say, I am the church. I am the church. I am the church. And so am I. And together we comprise this church which the gates of hell cannot prevail against. We don't do church. Well, we do church, but only because we are church. A dog has to be a dog, and he does dog things, right? Kitties do things because kitties do kitty things. And we're the church, and so we will do church things. But we have to recognize it's not, the, it's not okay, we've got a pastor and a board, and we've got a staff, and they tell us what to do, and therefore that makes up church. No. Our, our membership in the church first starts with our salvation in Jesus Christ, and then he transforms us, he makes us a new creation, and we become, we be the church, the people that God loves and gave himself for. Now, if you weren't able to catch any of these sermons in this series, and this one seems to stand out and say, oh, I'm not sure I'm caught up, go online, go to RLC website, look up the sermon series uh, for a crash course, and you're going to find them all there. Pastor opened with the be the church, uh, with that high-tension statement, of course, that what kind of church would my church be if every member were just like me? Okay? And every message can add that with their particular emphasis. The next week, it was Pastor Sasser, C.D. Sasser, who preached on evangelism. We, we don't just do evangelism. There are, there are groups of people that do evangelism. They knock on your door, or they stay at, uh, at the... Uh, uh, I-5 rest stops or something with a sign. or they, they, I used to know a guy who came in and asked the church to copy 3,000 tracts, and he would hand out 3,000 tracts in a month. But he was doing evangelism because he didn't spend time talking to anybody about those tracts. Being an evangelist means just something you, do, you are. You just share Christ because you're glad that he gave himself for you. It's who you are. And then next week, then, Pastor... Um, Kevin, then, or no, uh, next week I preached, and I preached uh, about serving. And uh, you, we are servants. We, we don't just do service. It's not a sentence, you're supposed to teach Sunday school. It's like, I want to I serve the Lord. I want to serve these children. So I am a servant. And then Pastor did preach on discipleship last week and on being a growing Christian in, in, in the Lord. And remember, we grow all of our lives in the Lord. There's always something new. Some of us who are older kind of like been there, done that, got the T-shirt, got the hat. When in reality, in reality, there is no retirement from growing in Jesus Christ. I should be looking forward at my age, which is 39-ish sort of plus some. I should be looking forward at my age at more wonderful things the Lord is going to show me. It says in Jeremiah, I think it's 33.3, that I'm going to show you wonderful things. And it doesn't say, and for the first five years of your uh, Christian life. I, I can grow in the Lord. I can be closer to God. Well, today I'm sharing on how we can't do life alone. We are doing fellowship, connecting to fellowship. 
that part of the B of the church is fellowship, is gathering together and, and, and being with Christ together. So we're going to start with the foundational scripture uh, to the entire series, and that's Acts, starting in Acts 2, 42. And it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, what's that word? Fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. This all sounds very fellowshipy, doesn't it? Every day they continued to meet together. There's fellowship in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, fellowship, and ate together, fellowship, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Well, that's, that's from my last message. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay, right there in verse 42. Excited? You see that? We, we are to be devoted to fellowship. Now, that's a church I can enjoy. Persevere in fellowship. Be steadfast in fellowship. Get together and really do cool things. Yeah, baby. Bring on the coffee. Bring on the calories. Bring on the conversation. When does the men's basketball group get together? How about breakfast? How about the ladies' tea night? How about the game night? How about going over to each other's house and eating food together? Doesn't this sound great? We're going to be social, baby. That's that's often our concept of fellowship. That, and it's unfortunate. We let that define us whenever we hear the word fellowship. Some of us even tick off, oh, fellowship, I don't need to go. It's not serious. Fellowship, I need to go. I got to be with my friends. Those new people that came in, doesn't matter. I'm fellowshipping with my buds, right? And so I'm, I, I just want to give you this concept that, that that form of fellowship, this lighthearted sense of informality, is actually the shallowest form of fellowship there is. And it's not even, quote-unquote, biblical fellowship. Now, having said that, I can turn that around and say that men's basketball, when they aren't yelling at the referee, can lead to an opportunity to fellowship, right? A, a women's uh, game night can lead to opportunities. So it's not wrong to have those things or do those things, but when we think that that's all there is to it, is a lighthearted, informal gathering where we don't really have to do anything too serious, I don't have to think and I don't have to receive or give, then, then, we're, then we're kind of missing that, that point. Right? So let's, what let's do to see what God desires us, uh, of us, let's do a word study regarding the Greek term translated as fellowship. That word is koinonia. Say koinonia. Say it with me. Koinonia. Koinonia. Okay. Um, that it's first used in Acts 2.42. That's the first place it's used in, in the Bible and in the New Testament. That's the first place. And it is in uh, 18 verses altogether, and it's spoken 20 times. So a couple of the verses double up. Well, it doesn't translate really well into English. It kind of has its own meaning. And so we have to use multiple words to kind of get to the bottom of what we're trying to figure out. So... We use Joseph Henry Thayer's Greek-English lexicon, and it says this, that uh, fellowship is, it's fellowship, koinonia is fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation, 
and social intercourse. And that last one, social intercourse, means uh, two people are in the same room, they say hi to each other, they go past each other. We, we do things in meetings, we, we are just, we, we give back and forth socially, right? So literally there, sometimes this word is, is uh, used in scripture and it's used for communion. And sometimes it's even used for the word contribution. Your koinonia to the other church, your contribution. It's used to even in the sense of fellowship with the sufferings of Christ. So it has an associative value to it and an active value. Now, another way of looking at it or helping us with a modern day translation comes from Douglas Mangum. Koinonia depicts an interactive relationship between God and believers who are sharing new life through Christ. The Greek word captures the entirety of this relationship. It involves active participation in Christian community, sharing in spiritual blessings, and giving material blessing. So I love that word, interactive. Another word is connection. We all know interactive, right? If you've got a screen in front of you and you can click on it or whatever, and you can, it jumps to, it moves around with you, it reads, it understands you, reads where you're going, and, and as a matter of fact, if I shop for, if I shop for new drapes, the next week my interactive computer's got drapery commercials all over it on other, totally other websites that I never visited. It's interactive. It works, it works with me. And then the other word there is sharing new life in Christ, and it's an active participation. See, koinonia, now, just to get down still on de- defining it, or fellowship, Christian biblical fellowship, is not just a people-to-people thing. Okay, this is really important. It's a, it's a kind of a three-way thing, but it's really important to realize this. As we look at Scripture, 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship, the word there is koinonia, of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Are you prayer people? Do you pray? You assume God is listening, or Jesus is listening, right? And he's talking to you. That's what we pray, or influencing our decisions and our thinking, right? So God is, God is, we are in fellowship with Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion, koinonia, of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Do you sense the presence of the Spirit? Do you, do you want to move in this spirit? That's koinonia. That's fellowship. You have fellowship with God. In the third verse, 1 John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship, koinonia, with us. So we have fellowship. This is the three-way. Fellowship with Paul, for example. Fellowship with each other. And truly our fellowship, koinonia, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So when we say, hey, they're going to have a card, a card game night, I'm going to go fellowship, that means you're taking Jesus right along with you. That means you're going to play cards with Jesus. Right? That this concept of fellowship is, is deeper and richer than we're going to have a party. And, uh, and that, because of that fellowship we have with God and salvation, we have then this fellowship with each other because I'm saved, you're saved, we think Trenton's saved, right? We, we're pretty sure of it, and so on and so forth throughout here. We've given our life to Christ, so we have that in common, and so then we can also fellowship between ourselves. And the Spirit is not poured out on just your, your pastor or your preacher or your board members or your singers. Your Spirit is poured out on who? Everyone. We all have a communion, a koinonia, a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 
So Philippians 2, 1 to 2, declares, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, union, unity, communion, united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship koinonia with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, that's unity, having the same love, that's a common comfort, being one in spirit and purpose. So koinonia refers to a lot more than the warm fuzzies or the excitement of just getting together. Okay, I've covered that pretty well. The point is this. So fellowship is active. It's alive. It's animated with the life of God. It's God life in between us, with us, with him. It's moving to the flow of the spirit in the here and now. Who we associate with widely influences our actions. Do you know that? So you and your spouse are having a super serious discussion in the front room. Some might call it a debate. Others might call it a full-on argument. And your child comes around the corner and comes into the room. Does your activity with one another change? For most of us, it does. Jan quits throwing things and cursing at me, all that stuff, though I'm making fun. But you know what I mean. Our, our, our activity changes, depends on who we're with. You can be really having a real fun blast as a student because the teacher stepped out of the room, and as soon as you look around and see the principal has walked into the doorway, it suddenly, our activity changes. Right? The coach talks to you and he gets you together and he says, you're going to go out there and you're going you're to win this game. And he inspires you, tells a great story, and the underdog goes out. You go out and your activity is ever better, never better on the, on the court of the field, and you win the game. So who you're with changes and causes activity. And this is true of fellowship. Fellowship is both the unity of the group and whatever is brought forth out of our association one with the other. So if we want to be the best church, be the best church we can be, we need to be in unity and we need to associate and we need to have good things come out of that association. That's biblical unity. The purpose of Christian fellowship is to lift others up and myself closer to the image of God and so that in my being state with God and with you, our witness gets elevated our discipleship gets elevated. Our service gets elevated. Our worship gets elevated. And that we are more of an influence to the people around us who are outside of Christ and more of an influence because we are together doing things together. Now, side note, side warning. The scripture says, be careful who you associate with. You cannot mix darkness and light. You, the, what, what does the Son of God have to do with the devil? It says that, basically. Why? Because who we associate with is a powerful, powerful tool in the hands of God and in the hands of the devil. How many times have you and I heard, oh, my child was doing really good till they got into high school and got into the wrong group? Okay, so association, fellowship, is not just party time. It's influence time. It's interactivity in the spirit of God time. It builds us up. It pushes us to greater heights. It opens our understanding. It touches my heart. It changes me. It's part of the transformative process that the spirit is working in my life. Okay. 
Well, now I'm going to begin the application portion of what I'm preaching about. And um, you know how last week Pastor said he was going to step on toes? I think it might be real wise for all of you at home and here now to put your toes back under your chair. All right? I'm stomping through. Don't you just love those theaters or, or those, uh, whether they're live theater or movie where the chairs are too close together and somebody, you sit on the edge so you can get out, but somebody has to get through and they're doing this and they don't do like this to try to avoid you, but they just come through. And I love the ladies with the big purses too. Smack. <laughs> as they come through. Whack. So I have to speak truth here and I want to speak it in love. I want to, I want you to know I care about you and I love you, but because I care about you and love you, does this sound like a father? I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you what's happening. Okay. So the first thing we have to do, the first thing we have to do is attend. We have to be there. Hebrews 10, 24 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So let's encourage one another, build one another, stimulate one another, let's move one Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you know that you can attend this service today and say, wow, that was good. I might come back next week. Oh, you know what? My cousin showed up next week. I, I, we're going to take the day off and be together. Oh, the week after that, I got the sniffles. I shouldn't get anybody else sick. Oh, the week after that, I, you know what? I went to the 11 o'clock showing of the movie, and I need to sleep in. And the week after that, eh, maybe I should go back to church. Well, I'm kind of busy. I got schoolwork to do. I got to get that done or a project for the boss. Do you know it's considered the national average now for Christians to attend church one Sunday a month? And they think that they are regular in their worship. That's what they believe about themselves. I, I'm faithful. When in reality, they've, they're just very hit and miss. Very hit and miss. When, we, when I was at People's Church, we were signing people up in the pews Kind of like we were registering for COVID, but only this time we would ask, pass a board and have people sign up. And, the, and the, the pastoral staff was shocked. We found out that two-thirds of our attendance was very main core folks there most of the time. One-third of our attendance, 400 people a week were new that week and only came about once a month, once every two months. That meant when we put out a bulletin, with an announcement in it about something important, we should have been putting it out for three to four to five to six weeks to make sure everybody in the church heard it. When we got done, when we finally quit doing that, our church had 1,200 in a service. We found out we were reaching 2,600 people. But the issue is, can you imagine what a worship service would be like with, say, 600 in one service, 600? But imagine what it would have been like if there had been 1,300 in one service and 1,300 in the other service. Imagine the volume. Imagine, imagine the worship and praise. Imagine the move of the Spirit if that sort of thing had been taking place. So faithfulness is what brings us attendance and faithfulness. That brings us to, to, um, 
to a place where more things are happening for more people. It's good for us. We lift up. We encourage. We stimulate others to good deeds. And to, the worship is elevated. The learning is elevated. Now, I want to say this to our online folks and some of you here who may go online once in a while. Online is good. I like online. Online is good when you are sick, when you have had that bad night and couldn't sleep and you don't feel good enough to go to church, when you're traveling, when you're home with your wife. Pastor, I want to make sure and say that so you, it's all good, right? Yeah, that online is good. Online spreads the gospel because you will have a friend who doesn't feel safe in church or secure, but they may watch something online and say, hey, that's good. And maybe you attract them to the Lord. I am not against online. I don't think it's bad, but it has some real downsides to it, too. And some of those downsides especially comes to fellowship. I have never seen anybody in my own house, in my family, when the pastor gets up and says, turn to somebody and give them a big hug. Walk up to the screen and go, hmm. Turn to somebody and tell them how good they look today. Jen turns to me and goes, hi, Larry. <laughs> Why? Because I'm sitting there in my rumpled jammies, right, in my cup of coffee, and I don't look good today. I just look like, let's, let's have this. And, and I'm not trying to be offensive at all, but how can I encourage someone, like the Scripture says, to, to good deeds and to love if I'm never with them or if I can't be with them. Again, I'm not against online. I think it's got great things to do. You know what? Let me say this to you online audience. I can't see you right now. You can see me. <laughs> Could you give me a hug right now? I need one really badly. I'm nervous about preaching this. Could you come hug me, please? Could I hear your singing today? Did you, did you pray with somebody out here who needs prayer? Now, that's pretty tough. And I'm not talking to people who are homesick, home very tired, you know, who, who had to work last night, a, a, a graveyard shift. I am not talking to those people. I'm not. Online is good. But I'm telling you now, it only leads you to a certain participation in the fellowship, koinonia, that God has designed for you. So what if you're you're kind of forced into online. What if you're working, you know, and you have those swing shifts or those, those shifts that are on Sunday and you can't get here? Go online. You should. Get something. Do, but, 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 you can find a small group somewhere. You can find a coffee group. You can find a lunch group. You can get two or three guys together. You can call uh, any of the staff and say, who could I, who could I hook up with and, and maybe uh, do some Bible study with? There are Wednesday nights sometimes when we're teaching or, or having small group, right? There are Sunday. I bet if you went to Trenton and said, Trenton, can I come to youth group because I can't make Sunday morning church? As long as I don't create any problems for the youth, as long as I don't create any issues, could I come and hear your message? Could I, could I shake hands with some people? Can I do some things like that? See, so I, I don't mean to stomp on toes and tell you, but I do mean to tell you this. I really do need you to know this. There will be no remote viewing in heaven. You and I will be together. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we'll be together. We'll be together. Matter of fact, there's only one other place to be. 
You, the alternative isn't a good one. It's quite hot, it's dark, it's lonely, and there is no Wi-Fi. Matter of fact, there's no Wi-Fi in heaven either. We won't need it. But God has a plan. It's a binary plan. Heaven or hell. No in-between. And you get to heaven by the grace of God. You know, heaven is, or hell is full of sinners. And so is heaven. One set forgiven, and one set unfortunately not. So the God plan is to come together, to be together. Am I saying you can't go on vacation ever? No. I am not saying that whatsoever. Let's use some common sense here. What I am saying is your fellowship can't take place unless you're with other people, with the Lord and with other people. It just simply can't happen. You know, COVID wreaked havoc on church attendance. It really did. The pandemic, we couldn't even meet. We had to, we had to be online. Thank God for that. Great, great for that. But it wreaked COVID for, for church. And why? Because everybody in church died of COVID? No. What it taught a lot of people was it's okay to live in fear and it's okay to live in comfort. I'm afraid to go to church and it's more comfortable to be at home. And that, you know, I, I understand. I, I've had fears about COVID. At my age, I, I need to, right? And, and I like comfort. I don't know about you, but easy chairs are cool and so is a cup of coffee and that sort of thing. But it also taught me, you know what? Nobody's watching me to see if I worship. And people should watch you, not to hold you down, but to be inspired by you. Nobody is, nobody is uh, needing my hug today. And COVID did a, has done a, a, a terrible job. I think Pastor Trenton, were you telling me a large church was saying they're down to 65%? They'd lost 35% or whatever of attendance of people they don't think are coming back because of COVID. If you don't or can't come to a church service, make sure you attend something. Online, small group, do something. Okay, let's go on. A choir. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though they may be overpowered, two, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So once you begin attending, it's now is the time to acquire some association. You can call them friends if you want, associates if you want, but you've got to get to know people. Attendance is enough because here's the deal. Some people are very good at this, especially as a pastor, as a worship leader, you see this. You literally see this. I make sure I come to church. Church started at 9 o'clock, right? I come in indoors at 9.05, maybe even 9.10. Music has already started. Maybe the ushers have shut the door. Maybe the greeters have already left, but I come in late. And then I sit as far back as I can sit. This is not a shot at you, ushers back there. I get you belong there, right? But you sit back as far as you can. You watch. You listen. Uh, and then when the pastor gets done with his message and said, Shall we pray? You stand up immediately because you assume everybody's heads are bowed and you shoot out that door and you leave. Have you fellowshiped? No, you've come to church. You've come to the church gathering, is what I should say. 
That, that's what you've done. So that's just coming, just being here isn't a good enough thing to, to enter into koinonia, into biblical fellowship. What we really need to do is, is uh, uh, come together and, and start making some friends and start rubbing some shoulders. Um, it starts with body language. When we were uh, uh, serving a, a, a large uh, Mother's Day gatherings up at Olympia, and the men were always tapped to, to be the, the servers for the day, you know, for the night, uh, we were taught, please don't stand like this. Instead, stand like this. One says, you, have, you don't get to use my hands. My hands are not for you. The other one says, how may I serve you? This says, and I was one, High school vice principal. <laughs> Critical spirits, what it says to me. I'm strong, you're not, stay back. The first thing to acquiring is to open up, just open up. Everybody take a deep breath. All right, feel confident, feel good about yourself. I know a lot of us don't, but that's okay. Fake it till you make it. All right? All right? Here we go. And we just be open. And when somebody comes by and says, hi, what do you do? Say, hi back. Yeah, it works. It works. How are you today? Tell them all your troubles and all your problems. No. Don't, don't just say fine. But at least, at least say, oh, I'm doing good. How about you? Just talk to each other. And you know, it just keeps growing from there. If you, if you find out a little bit about that person, you discover some common ground. Uh, I was told by someone to use the fort. Uh, to use the, the, the fort method. Is your family here? F, family. Tell me about your family. Oh, occupation. Very safe to talk about occupation. What do you do for a living? R, what's R? Well, that's recreation. Oh, you like hunting? So do I. And T, the final one, is theology. Don't start talking about what you believe until you're comfortable in those others. And theology doesn't mean talk theology. It means, oh, have you been a Christian long? Or how long, you know, what churches have you, have you attended in your past? What, what's going on in your life? Fort. It's real simple. Family, occupation, recreation, and theology. The other way to find a fellow to ship with, see what I did there, fellow to ship with, is, is to do something in the church. That's why I was saying earlier, it's okay to have, uh, uh, you know, a, a game night or, or something of that effect. Uh, some of the people that I've met have been, because we did ministries, do, do outflow together. Go sign up for a group. And next thing you know, you'll say, well, what's your name? What's your, my name? Yeah. You're back and forth. And you, get, you make an association. You make a friendship. Um, I met a person at People's Church when I was in charge of the singing Christmas tree on the drama site. We were rebuilding the entire set. You know, we had to, so we had contractors in there. One of the women in the church had a husband who was a contractor, and he was kind of come hit and miss to church. And he came, and we started building sets together. And I can still remember we were, that's when cordless drills were new. That's how old this was. <laughs> and we were comparing cordless drills. And, you know, we created a friendship, an association, a fellowship. Over time, when we were called to, to start a new church out of People's Church, and they said, we want people to go with Larry to start this church, 
uh, he came along with his wife. And before you know it, he became a founding board member of that church. Never would have happened if he had said, I'm staying home and let somebody else work on, on, on that set. It's really nice to be able to do to Start a small project. The scripture is clear. Two to three people in close fellowship are far stronger than any one person on their own. They pick each other up and hard times defend against the attacks they, and defend against attacks uh, of the enemy better and they give warmth and aid when needed. It takes two to tango and to fellowship. Matter of fact, it takes three. God, you, and somebody else. You can't do it by yourself. Finally, and I'll try to, to, to be as quick as I can here, uh, we have to activate. Proverbs 27, 17, we have to activate. We've got to do something. We've got to, we've got to do more than just uh, be alone or be with people but not interact with them. We have to got, Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Too often we look at this scripture and we think, Oh, that means that when I'm with a really ornery person, Look at the person to your left or to your right and say, you're not ornery. You're not ornery, right? You're not ornery. But we think it means to be with an ornery person. It sharpens our relationship. It makes us better as a person. We have more faith. We work towards getting closer to God. This this iron sharpens iron. This means clash. This means sparks. This means problems. But it also means something else. It means that without the closeness of relationship, that no sharpening can take place at all. I can't sharpen a knife by waving it through the air, going out and grabbing some dandelions and rubbing it. Maybe that will sharpen it. No, that doesn't work. For iron to be made sharper, it needs things, two things. The presence of another hard substance and activity. For you and I to grow in Christ, We need the presence of others who are growing in Christ. We need these two hard things, these two people, these two two entities to come together. I can't get sharper without the smoothing action that takes place in fellowship. I need active fellowship in order to grow. Here's what I want to say about this. If I can just get a bottom line to, to, to maybe even the whole message is this. If you're the kind of person that says, oh, I get with God. I've had people tell me this. Whenever I go hunting, I sit out on the mountaintop, me and my rifle, and that sun comes up, and I get close to the old man upstairs. I talk to him about some things, and then I see a buck, and I start shooting. And I believe they have a relationship with God. Would you say with me it's a complete and full relationship with God? Would you say that they are, that they love their fellow man doing that sort of thing? Would you say they've stimulated anybody else to do good works? See, what I'm saying is, without fellowship, you can have an incomplete relationship with God and with man. You don't see things... By seeing things with a fellow human being, you begin to see God better. It takes two together with God, then the third one, and you start rubbing. And that rubbing brings sharpness. It makes a better implement. The axe is sharper because it was with other people. A powerful example of what fellowship should look like, the activity of fellowship, doing things in fellowship. Uh, Because you are a fellowshipper, you do, you associate and you do things in fellowship, is found in the Bible study of one another. 
It says in the Bible in the New Testament, be devoted to one another, honor one another. Those are in Romans. Live in harmony with one another. Romans and 1 Peter. Accept one another. Romans. Serve one another in love. Galatians. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Ephesians. Admonish one another. Colossians. Encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians. Hebrews. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Hebrews. Offer hospitality. 1 Peter. And love one another. 1 Peter and 1 John. I would submit to you, you can't do any of these without taking some kind of action. Nor can you do them without being around someone else. I have to be in connection, interactively working for these to take place. That's why the church that is, is in fellowship. That's why. Now I want to share a story real quick. And that is that just this week, Jan and Cindy uh, went to lunch. They were doing life on life. They were just doing lunch. Went to Applebee's. Didn't take me, but they went to Applebee's. They probably talked about me, but that's okay. And, and, and uh, they shared, and they got done, and they went outside on, on the sidewalk, and, and Jan felt led to pray, so they were praying out in public on the sidewalk. Some of you say, well, that's bold, but that, that's okay. If the Spirit leads you, that's what you do, right? Well, so they were praying, and a couple more ladies came out from behind, out of Applebee's, and came out. And they kind of looked at them. And one of them kind of walked away, but the other one walked over and kind of waited for him to finish. And then she stepped up and said, I think it's so wonderful that you would pray like that and pray in public. May I pray with you too? And then she prayed. See, that's biblical fellowship. That's stimulating one another to good deeds, to loving one another and caring about one another. That's what fellowship does. Jan could have gone to lunch by herself, and Cindy could have gone to lunch by herself over there. And they could have skipped the whole get-together-pray thing. They could have done that. But they would have short-circuited biblical fellowship, not just for themselves and the Lord, but for this other lady. And what about the one who walked away? What about what conviction of the heart was going on in her life? God planned his church to be evangelists, be servants, be disciples, and to be in fellowship. Being a Christian, being a Christian has never been and never will be a go-it-alone project. Never. Heaven is for all of us to be together. They'll let me sing in heaven. Did you know that? It's for all of us to be in heaven. It's a family thing where the DNA of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has been transferred and transmitted to me by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. But not just to me, but to you, to you, to you, to you, to you. And he meant it to be shared. He meant it for us to walk together. So I encourage you to be active in fellowship. I know getting up and getting dressed, getting all fancy, doing makeup, Shaving, whatever it is, nowadays, sometimes seems like a hard go. But I want to tell you, you have it so easy. Anybody here remember the days where you only felt welcome in church? Men, where you were. A noose around your neck called a tie? I do. Some of you don't. But I do. And knowing that, you wore a sports jacket or a suit. Wool. 
on a hot day with no air conditioning. Ladies, Jan can tell you when she first went to church and got saved at 12 years old, what she have to wear to church every Sunday? A dress. Wednesday nights? A dress. Youth group? A dress. We got it easy, guys. And I'm talking about simple stuff, aren't I? We got it easy. Just come. Please give me your smile and your hug. Please receive my smile and hug. Please tell me what you need to pray about. Please help me pray with you. It would, it would just be an awesome thing to have biblical fellowship, koinonia, make our church that much stronger. So it's time to pray. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I just want to tell you now, I love the church, I love the people in the church, and I desperately need them. Thank you for designing the church to be more than one person, that we need each other. I couldn't get through life alone, Lord. And one of the beauties of your word is you use great analogies and metaphors, including how a man and a woman are to become one, but this isn't just about them. It's a, it's a picture, you say, of Jesus and the church, the bride and the groom. That's a fellowship, Lord. That's a koinonia. And I thank you for that. And I ask you to help me when I'm starting to feel down, and it does happen to me, where I don't want to go. I don't want to come Wednesday night. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. That you remind me, Lord, of your love and, my, and your love for everyone and how it really helps other people and it will help me to be with them. That you will sharpen me through that process. I pray today and I ask in Jesus' name that we would all not just stay, stay stuck in our seats or say hi to the same people we do every week, but that we say hi to the other person, the person we haven't met in a while. And we would share with them and let them share with us. And that our biblical fellowship would strengthen and grow the church. I pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. There are folks here to pray with you. Franny and Jan are part of our prayer team. And if you have something you want to uh, share from your heart, please, please come up. They will, they will pray for you and they, God will make a difference because you fellowship with these people. You coin a need and ask God for some help. But God bless you. Thank you for being here. Uh, have a great, great week. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.